Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And the sun is shining this week. It's beautiful out there. If you are able to get outside, you should uh, keep your sanity a bit in these crazy times. We hope everyone's doing well. And we come to you today with some stories of board gaming. How are you doing today, Bill? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm, uh, I'm a little little tired, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but t- today was my Friday at work, so I'm ah all right. So ready end to of go. a long day, ready for a break. I'm sure. Yes, yes, ready to talk about some games. Nice. Well, uh, as I'm sure uh, we talked about before, and you have been so busy, you haven't had a chance to do much gaming. So I will just be mentioning a few plays that I've been able to tackle in our what have you been playing segment. Um, and I will jump into a couple of them. One of the first one that I was playing is uh, an old one that I've kind of haven't played for a long time. Sort of got sick of, but played it again recently, and uh, had a really great time. And that is uh, Century Spice Road. I hadn't split. Yeah, I, like I had Century Spice Road. I do too, but I kind of got like um, kind of got sick of it. I feel like I played it enough times that it was sort of like. Not, not that I didn't like the game. I just was ready for a break. Or I was definitely, like, if there was options, I'd be like, well, I'll go play the other the other thing. But um, it's been a while, and I, I played it again, just the base game, the original game, um, not any of the other uh, additions to that system. And, uh, yeah, it was really fun. I also played with a group of people that I guess hadn't played as much as we – because we used to – that used to come out a lot at our game group, and I feel like we're all probably pretty good at it. Because <laughs> I destroyed these people in this yeah. game, like it was, it was <laughs> like a slaughter. <laughs> there is a little and, bit can can be a little bit of a learning curve on that for sure. Yeah, well, they'd played before, but you know, we I feel like we all played so much that we just sort of got like really good at it, like good at the sy- structure and system, and you know, that yeah. balance of should I be buying cards or the sweet spot of stopping buying cards and just focusing on keeping your engine functionally going versus you know picking up the new ones because they were like buying cards all the way up to the end and i was just like in my mind i'm thinking what do you guys what do you guys do it here uh or you shouldn't be doing that but you know yeah sometimes well century century spice road is a lot like splendor in that there comes a point in time where there's a distinct transition from engine building to like just revving your engine uh and running it through so right yeah, with Century Spice Road, you there comes a point in time where you stop buying cards and literally never look at buying cards again. Um, yes, yeah, because because yeah, it it really is kind of a waste of a turn to be to be honest. Totally, yeah. Unless yeah. they have like the only thing I can think of is just if they have a resource on it that you really need and it's the quickest way, sure. But yeah, otherwise you're just you're just wasting that time. <laughs> It'd be probably better spent just trying yeah. to. Uh, rest some, and drop your cards again yeah i've seen some scenarios where like you're kind of building towards like like you're you're really flush on certain resources and then like the perfect card comes out that you're like wow that's gonna make things twice as efficient right. um but yeah outside of like that perfect scenario kind of thing i don't yeah i don't i don't see it yeah I think, you know, the other thing I thought of is, like, if it's the, those cards that just straight up give you cubes, give you spices. Like, I, I was, I guess I was doing this at the end. It never worked out, but I definitely was thinking of it where it's like, okay, I, I can get that. Because, you know, you're kind of counting 
how many turns till I can get that card. Um, based on your system, you're like, okay, I can get that card in three turns. So what are the odds that someone can get in less? I can get it in four turns. And if you could pick up a card that just gives you resources versus having to play two cards to get one and then exchange it, all right, fair enough. That, but still, I guess that would be tur- two turns anyway, <laughs> getting the card and then playing the card. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, it was nice to uh, uh, play that one again. I, I just remembered how much I liked it. There are other games that I've that are sort of scratched that itch for me as well. But I, I, I think Century Star- Spice Road is obviously a really great one. And uh, it was really fun to play it again and after having not played it for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Century Spice Road, did I soured on it a little bit for a little while. But, um, but yeah, every time I've gone back to it after that, after I've been like, nope, I think I'm done with this. Uh, right. it's, it's been a good experience. So it, it really, it does have some staying power. Um, it really does. Yeah, it, it really does. But, but I think it also has that tendency if you play it a lot, it's that kind of game that can start to feel a little bit samey. Like you're, right. s- you're, you're just working towards the exact same thing every single time. Um, Splendor can be a little bit guilty of that, but I think Splendor's a little faster. Uh, like it gets done a little quicker. So I, I think I'm a little more forgiving there, but yeah. Um, I like century spice road every once in a while. I'm like, man, why haven't I been playing this all the whole time? And then I play it again and I'm like, Oh, that's why I haven't been playing this the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it was great. It's, it is, it is a great, I agree with you totally that it's, that it's, uh, it's kind of, it's a, I think it's a classic for sure. And it's going to go down as that way. Maybe not, it's not the best game ever, but it definitely is solid. And it is a great one that is easy to revisit and, uh, has yet to really feel its age. I would say it's just like you said, not as deep after you've played it a while as, uh, you would hope or, uh, uh, you not, not that you would hope, but you wish for something to play that's deeper, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly the, the sequels, mm-hmm. like a new world, um, I think that's what it's called. Uh, the third one is is really like the same game, but like adds some stuff and seems like it should be so much more, uh, so much better and so much more strategic. And honestly, yeah. I don't like it nearly as much. It just, uh, for some reason, I guess one of the big appeals uh, in the end to me, Century Spice Road is its simplicity. And when you yeah. try and complicate it up too much, you kind of lose that whole this is why I play the game. So, right. Well, definitely check that one out guys. If you've never, or uh, revisit it again, cause it definitely holds up. Uh, the okay. other one I've played, one of the other ones I've played uh, real quick is a uh, pandemic. The cure. Have you ever played this version of pandemic? I have not. So this is what? the pan- pandemic and dice version. Uh, for those of you who have not heard of it, this is um, a basically it's the sort of the base game pandemic in dice, and it's a quicker, somewhat lighter game. Uh, well, not somewhat; it is lighter as a game. Um, but the things you like about the pandemic uh, series are definitely there. There's definitely that tension and. But there is a lightness to it. I I was playing this game with a friend, and we were uh, really or a couple friends actually, and we were like, "Oh, this is easy. We're getting through this." And, and it was just fun rolling the dice, and it was chatting over this game. So it's a much more lighthearted than the pandemic base game is. But then we ended up losing at the end. We ended up getting slammed by outbreaks uh, three in a row at the end because we weren't paying enough attention, I guess. Ooh. So there is that 
attention to it, but it was actually a really cool game in the fact that it felt like more of a lighter table, like more table discussion um, uh, around, around more discussion around the table as the game plays. And, you know, that sort of goes to uh, with most dice throwing games. There's a lot more of that. Um, I don't know, lighthearted excitement as opposed to sort of like the like tense. All right, we got to plan out our terms and uh, a little that tension was a little bit. The edge was taken off a little bit there. So I, I really enjoyed this this game. Yeah. And, um, uh, does does it uh, do you still do like have individual roles? Yeah. So you do. You have roles um, just like you would in the regular game. They're diff. They're a little different, of course. But uh, you have six regions. Uh, oh, is it six or seven? Anyway, you have six or seven regions around the board that you're traveling to. So it's limited to um, regions of the world versus like cities, specific cities. Um, but and then there's a grab bag of many colored dice and the, there's four types of dice colors obviously the disease types but the faces on them are all different and you're going to be just chucking and rolling those and then you'll be grabbing dice as they uh, do dual purpose of dice to roll and then also just representing the, the disease in general pulling them off and um, the interesting thing about this game is that it's it's got a couple push your luck mechanisms that exist in it. And one of the main ones is that on your turn, you have your own set of dice for your player character and you can roll them as many times as you want. There's no like Yahtzee, you've got three rolls. It's just keep rolling them until you want to stop. The reason why you would stop though is that there are biohazard symbols on the dice faces and they're like the dynamite in Bang. As soon as you roll them, they're locked in and they have a negative effect and Ah. um, they determine how much of the viruses how uh, voracious the virus is spreading so when you have to pull viruses out or dice out of the bag to assign them to areas of the world the more biohazard symbols that have popped up before that will determine how many you're pulling out and how many you have to distribute so it's definitely like yeah keep rolling and as much as you want but you're also going to screw us if you just keep rolling and suddenly you're at three biohazard symbols that pop up and your turn isn't very effective as well because of that. So it's an interesting mechanism um, and can lead to some really fun tension in the game. Sounds like it. I'll have to check it out. Just another really good dice roller. Um, All right. And uh, let's see. The other thing I just played today, and this is the big one, is uh, Brash, Brash, Brass, (laughs) Birmingham. And oh my God, man, you need to play this game. This I feel like you would love this game. This is there. Ele- this is such a great Euro game. I have never played the original Brass, which has been rebranded as Brash Lancaster. Lancaster, sorry, can't speak tonight. Um, and I've heard I don't know ups and downs. It's definitely a classic game or considered a classic game, but I I've seen reviews and videos for it, and it de- didn't seem like my game. And so I was a little hesitant to come into this one, but it. This is so amazing. There are so there's so many elements of like the satisfaction and the things that Orléans does really well, like a broad variety of choice options of directions of way to ways to go, but also um, you know not not in a lot of analysis paralysis. It's there's not like you're not sitting there for hours just like oh what do I do? You know it, it's really good at sort of giving you enough options, and none of them is really that bad. This does that in a million and uh, very similar <laughs> but uh and then also had elements of concordia for me um that i really loved of that sort of finding your own pathway through this map in this case of england but um 
these areas of the uh, of the country that you're these cities that you're going to be building little developments or little businesses, and then uh, trying to uh, get your friends or other players to uh, use them or have you use them so that they can make money for you and uh, score you points. It's a really interesting structure and so so fun. Yeah, this is one that I have been debating for a year on getting because it's one of those ones where like I've watched so many playthroughs of this and I've read rules and I, like I could probably sit down and play it right now um, without <laughs> yeah. an intro um, and and this but, is a game of rules too so that is impressive oh, fact <laughs> uh, but but it's uh, I, I just have been hesitating because I'm like is this ever going to make it to the table is this one of those like we, you know, might be able to get it to the table once a year, like a TI four, or because it's so big and so yeah. long, and that's uh, that 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 has been what has kind of stopped me from from just jumping into it because I know I would like it. Yeah. Uh, oh I, yeah. It is. It is exactly from everything I can tell. It's a hundred percent my kind of game. But um, well, now now I know. Now I know that I should totally get it. I think you should, and the other reason is, is that because it's a dual phase. Well, I, I know you know, but like for people who don't know, Brash, uh, Brack. Why can't I say Brass? <laughs> this game You've is Brash. Been good by at God. Words. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a Brash game in its existence, and it is its gameplay. Uh, but Brass is a game about the uh, sort of the industrial age in England. And you represent a industrialist who is using the um, you know current climate to be able to develop uh, coal processing or coal shipping routes and develop um, uh, fabric manufacturing and goods distribution and manufacturing and all of these things that came in that era. But the cool thing about it, that really neat historical reference about it, is that it comes in two phases. It's it straddles a time period of England where they used canals to travel travel throughout the city and countryside to distribute goods and um, uh, yeah, distribute goods. And then once the canals were, became obsolete, once the railroad system started and became the main way and most efficient way to get goods to certain places, they the canals went away. And the canals, there are a lot of canals obviously in England still, but they're all like decorative. They're just sort of kept there um, as a heritage and uh, sites and stuff like that. Um, so this is really cool. So the reason why I think when you're talking about having a too long game, the intro game that we played is half the game because the way the game works is you play half the game and then this flip over in transportation happens in the game. So you are using canals just like Ticket to Ride where you're putting your routes down and then halfway through the game, you take all of those away and suddenly the game flips over and you basically start again, but you need to build those routes again with train routes. Um, and the train routes, there are more train routes available than canal routes. So it, it does change. It's not just like, and you're starting over. There is a reason for it and it does fl flow into the other. But the intro game is just the first half. So you just play through the canal system. And then once you're at the end of that, then you're just done. And that took about an hour and a half. It probably would have taken a lot faster if we weren't trying to trying to learn. I bet you could do it in an hour easily. Um, so yeah, I would. I I think definitely you could always set up a half a halfway uh, or half time game at game night and easily get through it and still have a really satisfying experience. Hmm. Now I'm really really jonesing to play a game <laughs> <laughs> any game at this point 
Yeah. Well, they do have whenever you can. The, um, we played it on Tabletopia, and it's uh, well done there. They did a good job. It's the uh, it's a prototype version. It's a late prototype version. So there's a couple of a uh, little bit of the art style is different or or ch- has been changed, but very negligible. Um, so any anytime you want to, we could <laughs> we could definitely jump on there and try it out. It really really is an amazingly good game i i debating picking this up myself just because i think shell my wife would really like it as well mm, and my totally god intrigued. the art is amazing on this game it, it is really beautiful that that is another that is another big uh big thing for me is it's really pretty looking yeah it is astoundingly beautiful like very very rich oh and just for no reason too in the physical game um uh people who are love art in games and love little artistic flares that games add in that has a dual-sided board that has no other reason to have two sides except that one is a day side and one is the night side so you can see all of england in this night phase and it's just it's this uh like dusky scene oh it's so beautiful this is the sort of dusk light and then in the daytime it has a similar um beautiful light style but it's obviously different so anyway just so you can play in huh. it and have it feel like different times of day they did two-sided board and read it all of the amazing background art for your pleasure wow that's above uh, and beyond yeah uh, anyway, yeah, so Brass Birmingham was my big playthrough this week. Um, I did get a playthrough of Battlestar Galactica in, but I, I that's old news apparently now because this was so overwhelmingly good, and uh, I want to play this game again <laughs> right away. I do like Battlestar Galactica. Uh, real quick, in Battlestar Galactica, were you? Uh, what, what were you? I was the human, and uh, we had we unfortunately had we're gonna have a five player, but someone couldn't make it in time, and so we had to start with a four. Um, and so I ended up being the sympathizer halfway through, which is a bummer. That's not that's the least fun character or option to play <laughs> yeah, in that game. <laughs> it's just so so annoying. It's definitely five and six are the it's a where that game is designed for. Um, so anyway, and then uh, our Cylon didn't exactly know what they were doing, and they came in a little too late. So the humans did win, but uh, it was it was still a fun experience. Huh. Okay. All right. All right. Well, then, are we ready to talk about our main topic? Yeah, let's jump right into it. Okay. So today, I wanted to talk about what we wanted to talk about. Um, since we're we're all kind of, at least most people are, sort of stuck at home, inside, aching, longing to leave the <laughs> house, uh, yearning for something to do, figured we could uh, compile a list of games that are so immersive, so thematic, and just bring you into the game so hardcore that temporarily you forget that you're stuck indoors because you have to be. <laughs> v- v- vaguely, that, that's, that's roughly what we're doing. But. Yeah. <laughs> Something to take your mind off things and more, more, more than other games, these might stand out as uh, immersive games that make you forget everything else and just get you focused in in this world that they bring you into. Agreed. Yes. Uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first because I basically already talked about my first one, <laughs> and that is Brass Birmingham. <laughs> I I had to put this on my list. This game was so immersive. It really draws you into the world. It is a very finicky not finicky it just has it's a game of a lot of like if then this happens rules and um so that 
is it's hard to learn not hard there's just a lot to keep in mind when you're learning but the strategy structure of this game is so amazingly designed that you get sucked into this world and having that a beautiful background bo- board uh, background art adds a thousand times to just pulling you into this 1800s England and uh, feeling like you're that industrialist making these plans and rubbing your hands together and trying to um, attract others that are playing the game, other industrialists to use your facilities because that will help you make money and give you points, but also using their facilities in in the best way that is most strategically beneficial to you. It is a, a very immersive game, and I just felt lost in that world for a little bit, and it was such a fun time, especially these in this this time period of our world uh, was really great. So that pops cigars. my list for sure. Cigars and brandy. That's what I'm picturing. Everyone <laughs> sitting around cigars yes. and brandy going, what yeah, should we dominate now? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's felt very, very powerful and I could take the world on <laughs> for sure. Nice. Um, well, I have um, just a quick caveat. I am I purposely tried to... Um, avoid ones that we've talked about extensively before yeah. uh, including some of my favorites like dead of winter and nemesis uh, zombicide so just those are still fantastic and i stand by everything that i've said about them in the <laughs> past but i figured this would be a nice uh nice way to bring in a few ones that uh, that don't get as many mentions from us yeah uh, so yeah. my my first one is Letters from Whitechapel. And it uh, to me, what makes it so immersive is uh, it's got great art, great storytelling, great setup. Um, but it really, really makes you think and analyze routes and uh, try and like you really feel like you are either running from the law or you are chasing down a notorious serial killer here. And it's uh, it it really draws you in to the point where you just really do just block block everything out, and are like this is this is what I'm doing, and uh, you before you know it, you look up and it's been an hour and a half or two hours, and you've either gotten caught or you've caught Jack the Ripper, uh, <laughs> and so it's uh, to me it's it's a really it's one that that I lose track of time on myself which i think is kind of the the whole point here um it's uh for those unfamiliar it is a hidden movement game where uh one player plays jack the ripper uh who's trying to do his murders and uh and and there's a storytelling element to it and there's uh there's one night where he does the double murder um and so he he has to try and get away it's a little tougher um, with that and uh, then the other player or players play police officers uh, and it is I think two to six I think it's two two to six players um, where there's up to five police officers and basically you are trying to track down Jack the Ripper and uh, prevent him from getting back to his his lair and going to the next day and um, you're trying to arrest him and make uh, make Whitechapel a safer place for ladies of the night, <laughs> which I, I guess is as honorable a vocation as any. 
<laughs> yep. The original profession. Yes. So I, I really enjoy it. I think uh, if you can find it, and I think there's been a couple re- reprints. I don't think it's nearly as hard to find now as it was. Um, I do it. I love it. Nice. All right. My uh, next one is um, uh, a new game I actually discovered recently, but I really enjoyed it. This one, this one is the only one that I'll do this with, but I think it's worth it. This is since I've been doing it so much. This is a on uh, the, one of the virtual games um, applications, Tabletopia, and this one's called Trouble in Temple Town. It is a cooperative game. And you are the reason why I'm bring this up now is uh, I threw it in is you can play this virtually online, but you, uh, as of now it was kickstarted and it is in shipping limbo for everybody right now. So unfortunately you can't have the physical game or buy it, but there is a way to play it. Um, so anyway, I thought that would be valid to throw on a list. But anyway, this game is a cooperative game where you are uh, agents. It's kind of like your sort of Men in Black style agents, and you are fighting in this noirish, very cool um, art design styled city of uh, these bad guys, these sort of punks and bad guys pop up. And uh, what they actually are though, is what you actually are as well, are existing, you're the immune system of a person. Even that is the cover story, but the art is like you are secret agents, uh, men in black style agents fighting off bad guys and intruders. So you're gonna be killing and fighting viruses as they pop up. And then there is a big bad virus that pops up eventually in the game. And he has a hidden movement structure that you have to, uh, as you're doing all this other stuff to try to put out these virus viruses for popping up and infecting this human body that you exist in. Um, the big bad is going to be secretly moving around the board and dropping other infections. And you have to, um, similarly to Jack the Ripper and other hidden identity games or hidden movement games, you have to sort of use the clues of when he pops up about where he is and you have to try to corral him and corner him to take him out which is one way of uh, winning the game the other way of winning the game is it is made up of several quadrants and these quadrants have areas where you can build immunity walls is what they're called in the game and you have to build if you build enough of them you've basically sealed off that area and it is now immune to infection from anything else and you can move on to the other quadrants there's always one more quadrant than there is players in the game which makes it a really exciting um management structure system where you have to you can work on your own quadrant and everyone else can work on their own quadrant but there's always going to be one quadrant that is being unsupervised at the moment and it can easily flare up and lose you the game so it's this it's a really interesting exciting structure it lends itself heavily to avoiding the quarterbacking because of the fact that um, those quadrants are really cool and that everyone can kind of be doing their own thing but cognizant of what everyone else is doing to make sure you are cohesively moving forward as a team but anything you're doing is going to be beneficial and so it's a really interesting take on the cooperative game i really like the art style and the structure of the game in general and uh having that hidden movement piece to it was really fun i I thought it was a kind of a cool cool addition to doing the big bad that way as opposed to just having a pop up and move around uh, visibly it was a cool little take on it so that's trouble in temple town and the game uh publishing company is one of my favorite names for it it's called too fat to fly and i thought that was a (laughs) a good name for a design company yeah i was looking at this on uh on board game geek that's it's really pretty. It's a big game, actually, but it's yes, uh, yeah. 
it's really pretty. Uh, I like yeah. the art a lot. Yeah, for sure. Very vibrant uh, colors. It reminds me of like um, like one of the, all those noir movies and that were in color, not the black and white ones like Chinatown or that palette of colors was used here and very effectively. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, the the way that it looks, anyway. Um, I don't know anything about it, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so my next uh, one on my list here is uh, one that I mentioned a. I don't know, maybe three or four episodes ago. And that is Abomination, Heir of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So, and the reason that I mentioned this one, uh, not only does it have a, a very dark and sort of macabre, uh, well, very macabre, almost gory uh, sort of theme to it in that you are uh, basically Dr. Frankenstein's and you are trying to... Uh, rob graves and kill people and do things to get body parts uh so that you can recreate and be the uh, build the new frankenstein's monster but it is uh it's got a lot of storytelling built into it so there's there's a lot more than just oh it's a euro game where you're moving this and moving this and it's worker placement and uh, there's there's just a lot uh it's oozing with theme it's got a ton of story and a lot of flavor text and it really brings you in and uh, I feel like it's uh, it's one of the more immersive experiences that I've come across so nice uh, if you can stomach the uh, the whole concept uh, which I think is super cool because um, there's really nothing else that does it uh, quite like that uh, dark like that so um, if you can stomach it, it is uh, it's definitely worth it uh, to sit down and uh, and play through it. the The, the storyline is is just as fun as as the actual gameplay. So, definitely sucks you in. Yeah, I really want to play that one. That one looks so cool, and just <laughs> I love the macabreness of it. It, it just. Uh... <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm just on like an 1800s England kick as well. That could be it as well. I don't know. But uh, I love that. Uh, uh, what was the one where you can go uh, find body parts and you could just do it in some several different horrible ways? Yes. This <laughs> is, really this is the that. one. Yeah, this yeah. is the one. Where, yeah, you can, you can uh, go. There's like public executions and you can go and like um, pick up fresh body parts at the the guillotine um there's uh you can rob graves and get like degraded body parts you can um do you you can you can actually go to an alley and kill somebody right and then be like oh now i have fresh meat which i mean is super demented but uh but it it also you you have to be careful because it has that that humanity track right and all all three of the tracks that it it tracks are uh, extremely important as far as how it affects the game and your ability to score points and to win and to uh, acquire new things and use different locations and stuff. So you really have to be careful that you're not just standing in an alley slaughtering people the whole time. Um, you really have to uh, to use all your available uh, all your available options there and I I really think uh, it was it was really well thought out and really put together well. Yeah, nice. I it's can't a little wait to play long. It. The only complaint, uh, which 
who cares when it's uh when we're in a quarantine the only complaint is that it is a little long for what it is um and it is it it probably does go uh maybe a half hour longer than it feels like it should uh but honestly if you're immersed in the story and you're hanging out and you're in quarantine and you don't care i don't care right Right. i mean do it yeah go after it everybody take a chance yeah exactly (laughs) that's what i'm talking about uh, well, speaking of somewhat long games, but uh, I'm not sure if this one overstays it's welcome, it's welcome or not. I think it's probably right, uh, right, right at its perfect timeline, and that is Vindication. Uh, I played Vindication again recently. We've played Vindication before together and uh, had a great time. Vindication is a really interesting structure of a game. It has that funny premise that is just sort of odd where you are so terrible that while your ship is sailing across the ocean they throw you off throw you overboard and you wash up on this mysterious island it's never exactly explained why you're yeah, so terrible or what could have like a scumbag led or, us. What is, yeah you're called the scumbag it's the well there is the literal scumbag where you draw out the uh, hexes to put on the board but um yeah you're called uh oh, what are you called what i can't remember called? like yeah like something terrible yeah yeah <laughs> It's oh yeah no I'm I'm you're a total piece of shit basically yeah Yeah. you're you're a big pile of garbage and you're so bad everyone hates you yeah throwing Um, you off the board (laughs) yeah you're like hey welcome to douchebag island you know now I don't know what's happening so but you do get a chance (laughs) to redeem yourself which is nice yes uh, and it it makes no sense how you redeem yourself or what you actually do. Um, because it's not like you're doing anything benevolent. You're just uh, traipsing around this island, uh, meeting friends, recruiting friends to your cause, or just hang out, I guess, and help you with stuff, and um, uh, visiting temples and things like that. And I guess you are fighting monsters, potentially, so I don't know. Maybe this is your the trials that you needed to find yourself and really become a good person. Uh, but you can also go through the whole game and still be a scumbag by the end. You don't have to become good, which is sort of funny. Yeah. So, uh, but this game weird. is really interesting in that it is a go, it is a, um, not, it's not a pick up and deliver game, but there's a semblance of that where you're going to these locations to do stuff or, um, get something from them. And what's interesting about Vindication is that it's one of those games where you build the board as you play. So you discover the locations at, at the beginning of the game, as you move around initially, wherever you move that, and if you're adjacent to an empty space, you'll draw from the scumbag, uh, the bag of tiles, reveal a location, and put it there. And so, although you will see a lot of the same locations in each game play, the way that the game feels and flows is going to be drastically differently, or move, feel drastically different because of the fact that these locations are in different areas. And one of the things that you can do to these locations is basically claim one. And that also really makes the game more dynamic between plays is not only are they in different areas, but who controls them is different and how important that strategy might be to you because of those two things in this game and each game changes quite a bit. And so Vindication has a real cool ability to have a lot of um, replayability in not that big of a game when you really get down to it. The locations aren't going to be hugely varied on what comes out. But it is uh, it does feel fresh and new each time that I've played. And I've only played a few times, but I really like that. And it's also another world that you can really get into. There is a mythology behind this. I haven't really read much of the details, if there are any included in the game. 
but you encounter these people and these creatures, these monsters that you can fight, and these um, sort of mystical magic in the game, and it definitely seems there is a huge backstory to this island that you are on that you're only scratching the surface of, but it really brings you in. The art style, the layout of the board... Um, it really, it really draws you in. And I, I think Vindication is a great choice for an afternoon, um, of, uh, pulling you into another cool world to exist in. Yeah, I actually, I, I definitely agree with that one a, a lot. It's, uh, it is a very immersive experience. It's, um, it, it actually feels like you're on a journey. Uh, yeah. it, it may not necessarily feel like a redemption story the whole time, but it feels like you're you're on a journey from the, the beginning. You, you see a, a legitimate um, path that you go down and you see, you know, uh, as you, you gain in power and you, you get new things and it's uh, you're, you're almost building yourself into this engine. And uh, I, I really think that's cool. It, uh, it definitely brings you in. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, and, and I, I think it, would be open for a lot of replayability and it is a very rich rich world for sure yeah yeah it, it's great i i really like this game and i and if you've kickstarted it there i know people who have kickstarted it say that it just comes with tons of uh, modular expansion options too and so there's that to uh, discover as well i think the base game is just fine and you get a lot of playability out of that but uh, those options exist so that's so that's kind of nice to have out there potentially yeah, um, Aaron kickstarted it and came with all kinds of stuff. Uh, I've we've only played with I think two of the expansions, right? I think so. Yeah, two the out pets of the five and or six um, or... I can't remember the other one, but uh, I yeah, do remember the, the pets. pets. <laughs> I also remember the pets. <laughs> all right. Um, so my my next one, and that was that was Vindication, which is awesome. Uh, but my next one is. Um, one I've mentioned before, but I'm going to mention again, and that's Star Trek Ascendancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are remotely interested in Star Trek, uh, or really 4X games in general, um, it's a real neat take on it, uh, and you have a lot of time. That's one of the big reasons I think this is a great one to pull out if you're just sitting there going, you know, we're going to be here all day. We may as well play a long game. This can be a four or five hour game, yeah. Uh, it, and it it can be longer, really, if you uh, if you choose not to really go after each other early. Um, it's a maximum of three players out of the box. I believe there is an expansion for a fourth player, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if that has been released yet. But I know when it came out. Uh, that it said coming soon. So, and it's been out for a while, so I imagine it's come out. Um, I usually play it two player, but I've played it three a few times. Um, it's incredibly immersive. Uh, it's you, you feel like you are captaining of whatever, uh, you know, the enterprise or Klingons or whoever, uh, but you feel like you are exploring the universe. You're you're finding planets for the first time. You're encountering other civilizations. You're making choices, like concrete decisions that really affect gameplay. Uh, it's very heavily strategic, but not not like a war game where you're. Uh, it doesn't feel like you're playing Risk. 
you know right uh, but right. It, it does it does feel like you have the ability to um to protect yourself and the ability to intimidate other players and you know uh kind of all the the hallmarks of a, a 4x game um the longer you give yourself and other people uh the the more powerful everybody gets so um it's it's really neat it's, it's uh it definitely draws you in uh for sure and i think it would just be a great way to spend the afternoon get your mind off of you know, i don't know staring at your dog or whatever <laughs> i think uh, it's definitely would be my rec one of my big recommendations nice yeah i've never played it i i would love to those uh i've always heard nothing but amazing things yes and they've all been true uh yeah another one i'd love to play i i uh i i was never a huge star trek fan but i like the world and i like a lot of the takes on the games are some are crap (laughs) some are really good though from what i've heard i have not played a ton of them but it's always an interesting um i don't know it's always an interesting world to get lost in for sure so that's one i'd love to try out as well Okay. All right. Yeah, we need to set aside an afternoon for that. A- yeah. After yeah. probably after all this, where we can sit when in the same when room we together. can set aside an afternoon, we need to set aside an afternoon. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. My next one is uh just what I put this one in because it's one that you could easily get. At, uh, hopefully, it's still around there uh, at Target. And this is just Jaws, and I just like Jaws. I just have so much fun with Jaws. Jaws as a game is just a silly cat and mouse game. It is two has two phases, which can be a detriment to games, but I think this game does it really well. It makes sense with what the two phases. They're very aligned with the movie, and it is really, really fun. Um, it's also a game that you could just go grab right now. You could literally go to Target and pick it up off the shelves and go home and play it immediately. No searching, no ordering online. You can just go get it. The downside to Jaws is that I think it definitely definitely plays best with a full complement of four players um it, I agree. it plays fine it plays fine with the other players two or I, I think you can play it with two two or three the difference is is that you always have the same amount of characters out i believe i don't think i've ever actually played it outside of four outside of four players yeah, but i you, think you always you do have yeah you you do if, if you play with you just three, dual play some characters yeah if you play with three then one person controls two of the player uh two of the characters and one person's the shark and then one person is one of the other players. Uh, yeah. And with, with two, one person's the shark and then the other person's all three. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, a little clunkier that way. Not impossible. It's still, a, I'm sure, a fun way to play. I don't know how, I think three and four, I don't know, two seems to be like I don't know, a lot of work for the human players just to be like, all right, I'm taking three turns and now it's your turn. Um so, uh, but it, one of the reasons I like it though, is as a co sem or a co-op game, it's a one VL game. Obviously the shark is not on your team. You're trying to uh, kill the shark, but when you are the humans working together, they are not, they don't have the same abilities, uh, and powers everyone has got different roles to play uh, in what they do, especially in the first round, uh, and how they try to find and, uh, tag the shark. So it's a really cool imbalance of your abilities that you have to, uh, kind of do your own thing. Of course, anything you do is probably going to be helpful, but 
keep in mind how everyone else is working and uh, try to supplement them in uh, in your own way. So I really like the game. It's amazingly well designed and super fun and not that heavy. It's not a super heavy game either. And so it's a nice one where you can sort of pick up, play it, have a lot of fun, uh, a lot of table talk in this game, and then uh, put it away, but really get into the game and into that world uh, while you're playing it. So I highly recommend Jaws. I, I agree with that one uh, a lot. And, and going back to how it's in two parts and normally I'm, I'm with you games that have like two halves, like this is part. And then it goes into this other part that is completely different. Um, I I think what makes this one work so well is not only does it make sense in the, the story of it all, but it actually, that first phase determines how, how powerful the, the people are in the second phase or how yeah. how powerful the shark is so it it really you have to play it it's not just you're not just playing that first half just to get to the second half you're playing it to set yourself up for a more successful second half so something actually depends on it and i think that's what makes it work that's what feels to to me like why it clicks yeah 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 i i totally agree there's a reason why or there's a a through line between the two phases. It's not just, and now it's different. It's like, now it's different, but it's also dependent on what you have in last round. So yeah, for sure. Exactly. You still have to play both rounds, like solidly play them. Yeah. Which I feel like you don't, there's some games you don't have to, you just have to get to the second round. Right. You know, you don't have to, to actually do well but this one it really behooves both the the players and the shark the the people and the shark um because that's really where the balance of power for the second half comes in um right and it's a real neat back and forth yeah love it all right so my next one is uh gloomhaven aha and this is a good one if you have, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a <laughs> month of quarantine that you just want to just really go to town on a universe that you will not want to leave. Um, it is uh, it is an enormous game. Uh, it takes lots and lots and lots of plays in order to really effectively get to the end of it. And and there is an end to it. It is somewhat, I'd call it a legacy game um, because it does, you do go through it. And when you reach a certain point, your characters retire and you start new ones. And But they're not really like new ones. They're just like you're continuing your saga. Right. Um, and so, and and the biggest reason I, I think that I'm putting this in here is that uh, it is one of the coolest modern worlds that I think that uh, any sure. game has has built. In I mean, there are role playing games with you know a dozen big books that don't have the kind of lore and the kind of uh, in, engaging world that that this one does. So it just, it really draws you in and there's uh, a lot to get excited about. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is Gloomhaven and that is my, my choice. 
Nice. Yeah, that is a, a storied and well-deserved game. Um, well-deserved of its listing, <laughs> for sure, as the number one, I would say. And it's such an epic tale and epic saga that will definitely yes. get you involved in them. Uh, that actually ties kind of well into my last choice. And that is, I couldn't decide, so I just generalized and said campaign-based games. And I have a few suggestions on which ones you could look at. Gloomhaven is a great one, so I'll exclude that. Um, but I thought that uh, one of the games that I have on my shelf, and I have a lot of the components, and uh, and I have rarely played it, is uh, Imperial Salt. So now might be a great time to get some friends together virtually even and play Imperial Assault uh, or, I mean, uh, streaming or, and play Imperial Assault or with some family members and play a campaign or two. Nice thing about this is that obviously the campaigns, you can play a campaign and then and then take a break and then come back later and play another campaign or you can play several in a row. The others I would suggest are some lighter ones and those are um, by my favorite name to say uh, Ryan Laukat or otherwise known as Ryan Lockett. He has some great campaign <laughs> structured games that are really light, uh, not light, but they are light-ish in theme in that they are really family-friendly and really engaging still as heavy, I, as a heavy gamer, I think can really get into them as well. And those are um, Above and Below, Near and Far, and Islebound. All of those games have amazing, rich story writing in them. And they you can really get lost in the world that he creates. He's very skilled at doing this. And uh, the characters that he creates, the art style that he does, it's really fun to engage with. Engage with, And they are great choices, I think, for um, this time period or like rainy day games when you've got a lot of time just spend an afternoon getting into a world. The other one that's not his that I added here was Charterstone. That's another one that is, an int- is a great world to sort of get in depth with. Um, but yeah, anything that's got a campaign that you can really follow a character through a journey is uh, a great choice, I think. All right. I, I agree. Uh, Ryan Lockett makes really, really neat, really rich, uh, engaging games like that. Near and Far and Above and Below have uh, great stories that go along with them. And it really, the more you progress through them, uh, just the more story comes out and the more it just you just really buy into this whole universe that he's created. And uh, he did a fantastic job with that. Yeah. Love the guy. Yeah. So my last one, um, I was going to do something different, but now I'm just, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I'm, And I said at the beginning of this, this isn't one that I would mention, but I'm totally going to mention it. And that's Nemesis. Aha. That's good. Nemesis one. was one of the few games I can think of where I just really... When we played it last time, uh, I lost track of time. I was I was in a spaceship, and I was killing aliens and watching Kaz get eaten as I'm flying <laughs> away. And it was uh, it was as engaging and as immersive an experience as I've probably ever had with any game. Yeah, and so I can't. I I mean, I just I would feel remiss in my duties if uh if i were to exclude nemesis from this list yeah and it it also has uh that yeah and there are you can play with more than just the xenomorphs i mean there's like uh there's four or five different 
other races, I think, that uh, that really, from what I understand, change up uh, gameplay and kind of how you um, you at- attack the problem, so to speak. I think the xenomorphs are the, um, the most basic as far as, you know, oh, they're big aliens, you shoot them and they die. Uh, whereas the other ones have different abilities and different powers, and I think you really have to, there's a big strategy shift with a bunch of them. I think that would be really fun to explore. And it just seems like the more that I, I read about it and the more that I, I just know about it as a game, uh, it just really seems like there's so much to be explored there that, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to trying it out when, uh, with some of the other, uh, some of the other bad guys. Yeah, uh, me too. I would love to jump in this game again and get into that world. I totally agree. That was one of the most thema- movie-like plays that I have ever played. It was so fun. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it coming did, from the guy. It who felt got like eaten. a movie from beginning to end. It was it was a, a cinematic experience for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was astounding. Yeah, I highly recommend that too. That I totally agree with that. That's such a great game. <laughs> Yes, agreed. All right, guys. Well, there you go. That is a selection of games to take your mind off things, and I think we did a pretty good job with those. I would love to play any of those, and I think all any of those would be a good choice in uh, just getting your mind away from what's going on right now and getting lost in someone else's world that they've created. Um, I think all of these are really good choices. I agree. If, I agree. It's not a bad one amongst them. Yeah. Not a single one. Not a bad apple in the bunch, as they say. Right. As <laughs> you say. <laughs> as me and my mom say. Not a bad apple in the bunch. All right, everybody. Well, thank you guys for listening. We hope you're all doing well. And, um, of course, let us know what's going on with you and how you're doing and things that you're playing to keep your mind off things. And you can do that in a variety of ways. Of course, you can get a hold of us on Instagram and Twitter at RoastedGames1. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, of course. That is uh, Roasted Games. And you can fi- you'll can you see us by our logo of the flaming dice or die uh you can also get a hold of us on our podcast hosting page eavesdrop.com uh we have a uh, scroll down to the roasted games section and fill out our comment form and then uh, let's see what else you could do you can even fire us off an email directly at roastedgamesco at gmail.com any of those ways are great and we'd love to hear from you guys and like to know what you're up to in these uh quarantine times yes reach out to us engage We're, engage we, as they say we, Yes, we we need the interaction. (laughs) Yes, we do. We desperately do. All right, everybody. Well, thank you again. Um, Keep up the good spirits, and hopefully you are fitting in some plays and um, having some fun at home while you can. And uh, we will do the same. So until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.